0: We just had a chat and he said, I think, you know, go live your life a little bit as a Catholic, but he said, I think you should think about the priesthood.
1: Welcome to the Pints and Pews podcast. I'm your co-host, Dennis. And I'm your other co-host,
2: Robert. And we're just a couple of guys talking the Catholic faith over a pint or two
1: of our favorite beers. So why don't you pour yourself a pint, pull up a chair and listen in for the next little while. As we take the face seriously, but not necessarily ourselves. And as always, if you want to take part in the conversation or have an idea for the podcast, leave us a comment or swing by our Facebook page and drop us a message. Dennis,
2: buddy, how are you doing on this beautiful,
1: beautiful day? (laughs) Beautiful day, beautiful July day. We got through a bit of a heat spell there, Robert. I'm fighting a cold in the middle of July, Robert explained. Just got back from holidays for a week away and and I, I can't seem to shake this cold. Now, it's not COVID or anything, but it's just like a little cough and cold. So it's yeah. starting to abate a little bit. So hopefully it, it it dies down in the next couple of days. But that's why yeah. I sound a little hoarse.
2: Yeah, well, not that it helps deepen your voice. It gives you that much more of a, a yeah, podcasting takes voice that,
1: there. Takes away that tinny voice of mine. So hopefully, hopefully things work out for there this you podcast. Go.
2: There you go. But, but Summer colds are, are always the worst.
1: Yeah, it's weird that it's such a beautiful time of the year, and yet I, I'm developed, uh, you know, cough and cold. But I'm not feverish, and I'm not—I don't have a, you know, a headache or anything like that. Cold, thanks be to God. Yeah, thanks so I'm be good
2: to like God. And you're saying how beautiful it is outside, and here I am in the church basement with no windows, so I really have no clue. It could be pouring rain. It could be snowing in the middle of July out there.
1: I told uh, you when you I live no in the idea. sticks, you get you—you know—you're more accustomed to power failures, and that's what happened to you about 15 minutes before we were to you know send out the zoom link to our guests today right Robert?
2: oh an absolute panic absolute panic mm-hmm. but uh god bless our secretary here at immaculate conception parish uh panic phone call at about uh, 10 minutes to recording time and saying like listen our power's out can i come hang out in the the parish basement in the hall for a couple hours and yeah by all means, come on over. So, uh, shout out to Mary Lou. Thank you very much, Mary Lou.
1: Yes, uh, and and the confirmation robes, Mary Lou, and the confirmation robes. <laughs> I see sitting, this bes- <laughs> hanging beside you, Robert. Correct? Yeah, that that just kind of helps deaden the echo a little bit
2: because it is a little cavernous down here.
1: That's why you sound so good this morning, uh, this afternoon.
2: Now, I always sound good. They always say yeah. I have a, fa- a face for podcast. Now we face have a bit pod-skin. of a skin. Yep, a, a bit of a historic podcast uh again today we seem it's almost every second podcast we're saying it's a historic moment on the pints and pews podcast you're the one who uh approached yeah i think guest this guest this
1: was was my idea is that i thought you were going to say historic because it was uh, my first podcast getting the guest and that's why we're running late but i, I can't take the blame on that part but you're absolutely right yeah we will get to the guest in a second but uh, yeah, this is, um, uh, I guess I see at least once a week, obviously. I hope you're church, seeing him at least once at least a week. At least once a week, and, yeah. and other times as well. Now, but, here's, well, here's me...
2: the the other question just before you introduce him. Right. Did you bring a bulletin home
1: from the Mass you went to while you were away on holidays as kind of a, a proof? For I did not, our, and, our and I had day. that, I, I unfortunately, I had that severe cough and cold, and I didn't want to spend an hour in the Mass at, at that time at in 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 Anguilla, so I, I, was, uh, I was too under the weather at the time. So that, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance. And it was a beautiful church, St. Gerard's in Anguilla. So next time I'm there, I will definitely drop in. So why don't you introduce our guest for us then, Dennis? Without further ado, Father Chris Lemieux is the pastor of St. Bernadette's Church in Ajax, Ontario, just up the road from me. He grew up in the GTA in the greater Toronto area, just on the northwest side, where he spent many years as a bus driver, in fact. He came into the faith only within the last 20 years and has been a priest since 2012. He spent a couple of years when he became a priest, newly ordained as an associate pastor just north of Toronto, and spent six years as the vocations director for the Archdiocese of Toronto. He's been with us at St. Bernadette's uh, for the last two years. He came right at the height of the pandemic. Uh, And he's been a pastor ever since. So without further ado, welcome, Father Chris, to the Pints and Pews
0: podcast. Thank you both. Thank you. Good to be here with you today.
2: Oh, really excited to have you here, Father Chris. So thank you for joining us.
1: It's great to have you, Father. And I think you do have a beer as well. I do. Yeah. Excellent. Beer, yeah. What are you (laughs) drinking with us here today then, Father?
0: Guinness. Got Guinness with me today.
1: That, that'll my, make uh, Dennis Kivlahan here very happy. I to think hear. that's one of my go-to beers on here, Father. And I, I think Father Matt McCarthy, who took over from you, I believe at the vocations director position, I think he had a Guinness on here about a year ago. Did he not, Robert? I'm I sure believe you did. are correct. Yeah, I think there's been a couple of people who've gone to the Guinness as the go-to beer. It, well, it is a nice beer. It is a, a nice beer. It's a beautiful beer. And we're going to talk all about it as soon as we say the... Grace before beers, so we can get started into our beers.
2: Well, Dennis, are you going to introduce what you have uh, on tap
1: for us today? Yeah. Does that? Can I open? I'm going gonna... to hear that. This is called Lug Tread. That's oh, a nice one. I, I I like that one. This is about. Well, I'll explain it the taste in a minute, but uh, it's about 50 miles from Ottawa or Montreal. It is called Bowes Craft Brewery. So this is, I'm stealing a beer actually from my son. He had his birthday the other day and there was a few left in the fridge. So I thought I'd try this one. It looks really good. So I'll talk about its flavor in a second. And yourself, Robert?
2: I was going to say, after uh, we're done recording here, we'll uh, ask Father Chris for the hours of confession because I think we've already hit two points that you're going to have to go make a a visit. visit Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, Because I don't think it'll count here on the podcast, Dennis. You'll have to make it official. So I'm having from... Niagara Falls area from the the Counterpoint Brewing, sorry, Counterpart Brewing in Niagara Falls, Ontario. Uh, It's called Drip, India Pale Ale. And I'll explain uh, a little bit why I decided Mm -hmm. to go with the drip. I actually bought it at the Market Brewery in Newmarket. Mm -hmm. But I went with the drip, not because it's my personality or anything like that. But my son's friend uh, says I have drip. And I had to ask my son, my 18 year old son, what does he mean when he says I have drip? And what it is is uh, I guess I'd gone through where this guy was working one day on the way home from work. So uh, as you know, Dennis shirt and tie guy Uh for, for school,
1: except Uh, on the podcast. Yep.
2: Except on the podcast, but for, for official school business, it's usually shirt and tie. Uh, and I guess I was looking rather drip that day, and I was looking good. I, guys our age would have said dapper.
1: Dapper, uh, maybe maybe not guys our age. Or maybe guy, okay, guys older. your age, Dennis would have said dapper. <laughs> um, <laughs> what does that beer look like? That looks a little it's, cloudy. It's, to it's a
2: little cloudy, a little hazy. Wow! So I'm that's really I've never hazy. tried I've never tried it before. So that,
1: I'm really look, looking forward to that. That's a nice clear golden. Hue to it does it not robert
2: yours yeah no that looks good and i've had the Bose lug tread before
1: yeah it's a hybrid ale lager
2: it's a it's it's a
1: nice little beer so i I quite i want to take a sip so why don't we get started here father whenever you're
0: Mm, ready sure in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit and amen bless O lord this creature beer which thou hast deigned to produce from the fat of grain that it may be a salutary remedy to the human race and grant through the invocation of thy holy name that whoever shall drink it may gain health in body and peace in soul through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.
2: Amen. Amen. Thank you for saying that Take prayer, Father. Cheers, gentlemen.
1: Cheers. Cheers. Father Robert. Oh, yes, that's very good. How is your goodness, Father? Good, good.
2: Guinness is good food. It's almost like the old
1: slogan went, "Yeah, Guinness is good food."
2: It's Robert. Actually, I, just, I just picked up a book. I haven't started reading it yet, so we'll have to maybe do that on a future episode. In search of God and Guinness.
1: So mm, in search I'm, of God uh, and Guinness. Looking forward to Spe- the next one on the list. Speaking of books, before we get into the show, Robert, you gave me that book about the dying monks. That was a fantastic book. A time Maybe to die. A time uh, to die by Nicholas Dia. D I A T.
2: Yeah.
1: And what just... a great, great book, Robert. Wow. I read that in Anguilla. It was fantastic. I, I would I would recommend that to Father. I don't know if you've ever read that father or heard oh, of heaven. this French author, but Robert gave me a fantastic book um, about this author who traveled to a lot of uh, monasteries in France to interview mostly the abbots about the dying monks and their last days on earth. And it was, it was just absolutely tremendous, Rivera. It was one of the best it had me in tears at times. It was so good.
2: Yeah. And just that poignant point that really we live to die. Right? We, yeah. we, we live to die. Our whole life should be aimed towards sainthood.
1: Right. And I think you highlighted a few of the pages, but unfortunately I think I, and you dog tagged them, but I think I, That's okay. I forgot where they were. So you'll have to look those up. But you're right, Robert, this was my guest, well, really Ajax's guest, and, and you allowed me to bring in a guest. And the reason I did, I think, Robert, was, was just father's backstory. Um, I did mention he was vocations director, but really, uh, and he's going to talk about his faith in a few minutes, but I just like the fact that maybe a late vocation, had other occupations, father. So maybe, as I say, in, in most places, I'm going to release my inner marcus grodi and we get out of the way and we kind of just ask you to -hmm. kind of tell a bit of your story as as you grew up type thing and what eventually brought you into the faith so wherever you want to start
0: is fine by us okay sure um well uh just sort of give you a little bit a little bit of background of about me i i didn't uh didn't grow up in a religious family um wasn't baptized uh slightly familiar i would say with church attended church like a couple of times in my in my youth, um, certainly, I, I would say that I had something uh, very sort of, uh, uh, let's say, removed uh, Christian upbringing influenced by my parents, who both uh, were were baptized. My father, a Catholic; my mother, uh, baptized Anglican. Mm-hmm. But um, for lots of reasons, uh, didn't decided not to. You know, to to raise my sister and I uh, in a religious family, um, and I think when I say that the, those lots of reasons were that there were a lot of people around. Um, you know, I'm sort of mentioned this a little bit later in my own my own faith journey that there were a lot of bad examples, and I think it kind of poisoned um, maybe my perspective and viewpoint on on Christianity for a lot of years. The first good example, I think, of of a of a good Christian influence was my great-grandmother, who, um, I, you know, was was always there, but I really got to know her when I was around 14, and I spent the summer up north with her, and who prayed every day, um, and and certainly just a, a faithful woman who, you know, did, didn't did talk a lot about her faith, but certainly lived it. Um, the, the next year, when I was 15, um, and, and when I was a teenager, I was a part of the, the air cadet program um, during my summer camp. It was also the first time that I ever really had any exposure to Catholicism. And uh, it just sort of a, a default, uh, I, I ended up in the what they called church parade, the Catholic church parade, and got to know um, the summer chaplain who uh, I would sort of come to discover years later had no idea what this was at the time was a seminarian who had a summer assignment on the military base to to work with kids who were there for the camp and so he was a a good guy that I could really relate to I mean sure he talked during church parade he kind of talked a lot about um, various Catholic things but those things kind of went over my head (laughs) Um, but he he certainly he loved sports and he was just a really normal guy. And so, you know, it was those other things that made him relatable. And, uh, you know, we went to Mass together. Him and a few of us went to Mass together through the summer. So that was maybe at 15, that was kind of my first, I would say, exposure to, uh, you know, Mass and, and uh, to just what Catholics do. Yeah. No, sorry, Father, did he mention mm-hmm.
1: that he was the seminarian? I just, I can't remember. He, he may have
0: mentioned it, okay, but it, it but you didn't wouldn't register with that. me. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah it didn't. Um, so, yeah, but uh, so the, those, you know, those were a, that, that happened a long time before, before I became Catholic. Um, when I was about 29, um, you know, lots of ups and downs in life. And, um, you know, one one of the one of the the Christians who really was, you know, she she was really solid, really devout. Um, just you know, her faith was everything she was about. Again, not you know, she wasn't. Um, you, you you wouldn't necessarily know uh, that that she she wasn't preachy. I guess I would say, and um, she's my best friend's sister, and uh, you know we would have conversations as sort of the first faith, faith conversations about faith, you know, and I'd ask her, well, you know, how did you deal with this problem or that problem? She would always bring it back to her relationship with Jesus and, and to her faith. And so, you know, again, I would try to filter that stuff out and, you know um, but I, I came to really see in the times that we, that, that we would chat that, it couldn't really do that, you know, that it was everything that she was about. And the reason that she was such a a, a solid person and a good person was her faith. So, um, you know, she invited me, didn't push, but she invited me to, to come with her to Alpha, where she was a group leader. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I resisted for quite a while until finally I said, OK, listen, I'll go with you. But let's just keep it between us. I don't want anyone else to 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 know about that. I would also say about you know in, in that time of my life, my my teens, my twenties, um, you know, I I just I think a lot of the things that I would say and and were very critical of the church of of Christianity in general of religion maybe, but um, you know, I just wasn't at a place in my life at that point to. To really want to bring bring that up with my friends, didn't really want my friends to know that I was that I was sort of going to Alpha with her. Um, so we went. It was in a, a local Pentecostal church that she was worshiping in at the time. But I would say that my you know that my faith that the seeds of my faith were planted there. Um, Alpha, if you know if, if you know much about Alpha, Alpha really its its essence is um, forming and developing a relationship with Jesus. I mean, it's, you know, um, it, it's certainly something that's, uh, that, that's become pretty big and pretty important in the Catholic context, but it's not itself a Catholic program. It's really just a, you know, I would say a very, um, basic, very beginning sort of, uh, kind of showing you who Jesus is, what faith is about. And so it's, Started there for me. Um, one of the things that that it did, and and I, I I went to to several alphas. So it, it runs as a program through uh, eleven weeks, and I, I, I went to two and part of one. So, um, you know, I, I think I got a good foundation in alpha, and I was also at the same time, um, you know, I was I was going to Sunday worship at that particular pentecostal church but it didn't really didn't really resonate with me i mean the minister had had good things to say and i you know but i decided uh you know with with a blessing from my friend i was going to go out on my own and i was going to you know i was going to keep searching because i wanted to you know to i i believed through prayer that um you know that there was something the, that my relationship with Jesus would be nourished and uh, where, wherever he wanted me to be. And so for about a year and a half, I think it was, I, I, uh, on, on weekends, I would go, on Sundays, I would go to, to different Christian churches. And, you know, I, I came one weekend, one Sunday to uh, a, a Catholic church not too far from where I was living in Brampton at the time. And there I stayed, I realized, I think that first time that I came, that, uh, okay, this resonates with me, I felt, you know, I felt the presence of God there. And I, you know, certainly a lot of the Catholic practices were pretty foreign to me. But I was comfortable coming and just, just being there being in the presence of God, week after week, and, and, you know, so many things spoke to me.
2: And, I and think that it just was, seems yeah. so, so. It seems so odd in mm-hmm. today's day and age, in the society that we live in, where a lot of people will say, "I'm not being fed at the Catholic Church because they're going out more looking for Christian entertainment."
0: Mm-hmm. As
2: such, yeah. and when you're saying you know you were going to worship at, at a Pentecostal church and, and other denominations, I think a lot of people would uh, fall into that entertainment, Christian entertainment, like I said aspect of it so i was going to ask and you you know why sure. the catholic church why why did that grasp you and you you talked about being in the presence of god maybe if you wanted to delve a little bit more deeper into that notion of presence
0: yeah well you know i mean certainly i don't think i could have articulated this when i when i came but i i think it was certainly the liturgy i think that contributed to it um i mean i you know the 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 liturgy i think there it just what was taking place as it was, let's say, maybe acting on my senses. It just felt, it just felt right, you know? Um, and certainly I think, you know, the music and, and the the, the rest of the liturgy, the, 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 uh, the scripture readings, all of those, they all contributed. And I definitely can say that the homily um, that that homily, while I can't remember the details of that homily, they resonated. Um, and, you know, this, this was, a, it was a mid-sized parish. It's, the parish was, was a, I would say, in a lot of ways similar to, to St. Bernadette's. It was, uh, you know, we had two priests in the, in the parish. And so the, the priests would kind of flip back, week, uh, alternate, with and the homilies that both priests sort of shared with us. Well, uh, connected with me. Sometimes I think it, it might have had something to do with my attention span too, because, um, you know, I mean, the, those homilies would have been, you know, eight to 12 minutes and they would, you know, the, the, the sermons that I would get in other places sometimes would go on for 40 minutes or so on. Yeah. You know. Just
1: just a note to our listeners, Father's homilies yeah. are always about 8 to 12 minutes on Sundays. So I think you've taken a note from that for those priests yeah. back I, in the day. Probably. I was yeah. going
2: to say I'm usually toned out after about 5 minutes and it has yeah. nothing to do with what Father is
1: saying. Yeah. It's a yeah. height, uh, 20 minutes is a long time uh, nowadays. But Father, yeah. did you mention to your parents, your father, your mother at the time or or maybe your siblings or sibling did that you were, you know, attending church and, and eventually going yeah. back to a Catholic church or
0: um, well, I did. I actually, it was. It was only about three or four weeks before I was received into the church that I told them. I didn't. Okay. I didn't tell them before that. Uh, I invited them to be a part of it. I think uh, they were. They were. They were shocked. Um, you know, not. Uh, I, I certainly the the reactions and my friends as well. I still have a close group of friends of mine, and when I told them, um, only one of them had his (laughs) suspicions that I, I was, uh, that something was going on there. I wasn't really talking to them a lot about it, but, uh, I mean, he, he sort of knew when I wasn't really around too much on Sunday that, uh, you know, something's up. Yeah. Something's up. But, uh, they, everybody, you know, in my, my family, my friends were supportive in my immediate family. Um, now, my my mother's side of the family come from uh, come from Irish Protestant background, hmm. and so some of those older generations they they were a little bit bothered, but um, you know, I uh, I sort of just took it as you know they that's where they come from, sort of thing. You know, I I didn't really take much offense to mm-hmm. to some mm-hmm. of the comments that were sort of made there.
2: Yeah, that's kind of their cultural history,
0: kind Right. Of, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, every, every, you know, fairly supportive and uh, present with me when I was received into the church. And that was, uh, that was a great day, Um, you know, uh, it was certainly, um, you know, I, I still remember it well, the, uh, I guess, and, you know, sort of a, a segue into, into discernment, into, into the priesthood. Here, though, is that a week before I was received into the church, I sort of had my first, uh, let's say, uh, maybe really strong uh, encounter with it was with my my parish priest, with my pastor, who, um, you know, for the unbaptized, uh, we would have a short little meeting with the pastor the baptized, they were, they went to confession to him or the associate, but um, he wanted to see me. So we went in and we, we just had a chat and he said, I think, you know, go live your life a little bit as a Catholic, but he said, I think you should think about the priesthood. <laughs> and I, I, a couple of things I said to him, I said, oh, not you too. Um, because I had heard this a little bit from some of the the really great people that I, I journeyed in RCIA with. Uh, they were you know, but I must say that, that when those kind of invitations or encouragements were coming from, you know, the, the, these really good, in, in a lot of ways, zealous Catholics, I just thought this is something they, they hit every single guy up with. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it wasn't too hard for me to, you know, say, oh, maybe, yeah, I'll think about that and then just dismiss it in my mind. But when my pastor um, invited me, I, I sort of asked him to, I asked him to pack it up. So why, why, would you, why would you think that I would make a good priest? Or, or why, would you, why do you think I should think about this? And, you know, he, he kind of shared with me some of the things, that, observations that he had made. Um, well, I went through RCIA, some of the, the questions that I had, um, some of what he saw taking place in, in me and my faith journey which was, you know, it was a little bit surprising to me because he, he was around a little bit, but I didn't think that he saw that much. So, you know, I mean, I, I say that it was a question that I asked him, and I think because I asked him that question and he answered it, that, um, you know, I took that seriously. I can't say that I seriously thought or wanted to be a priest. It wasn't something that I had ever thought about, and I certainly... You know, no matter where the journey had gone, I didn't see myself um, doing anything like this. You know, I I had spent 30 years of my life presuming that the direction my life was going in was to be married with a family, you know, to be to be a husband and be a father with whatever else I was going to do in my life. And I think the other thing I would say is that uh, I guess I maybe presume that you sort of ended up in the priesthood because you didn't have other options. (laughs) I mean, I didn't really know uh, priests, but I sort of thought, well, they probably always knew that they, they wanted to be priests. And, you know, as Dennis mentioned, I mean, I had a, you know, I was, I was coming up on 10 years uh, working for Mississauga Transit at that point. I had, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't see, um, I, I was sort of at a point in my life there where I was even thinking of maybe, um, going into administration in the transit, maybe, do I want to make this a career? Um, I had uh, even to kind of back up a little bit when I was, when, when I got out of high school, I had, uh, I went, went to college to study policing. So I was still, that wasn't, you know, that chapter wasn't completely closed. I'd still mm-hmm. thought, thought about that. Um, I worked, I, I was an armed guard for a while with an armored car company. So, you know, I just, I mean, all just to say that I sort of thought I, I saw life with its options. And this wasn't an option that I'd ever really considered. Um, and, and I think what I had known at that time was just, you don't get married and, you know, church is your whole life and everything. You know, you're, you're spending your whole life. This, this faith that I was growing into... I don't know that I was ready to consider 24-7. Um, yeah.
2: as, as one of those sense. guys, well, complete sense, Father, complete sense. And as one of those guys that from time to time will say to young men, have you thought about the priesthood? Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't hit up every young man that we meet, just so just so <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I know for myself, like, yeah, there has been times where it's someone where you've gotten to know a little bit and you do see some characteristics or some traits there but there's been other times where it's someone that i've only met once or twice but the holy spirit is just saying you need to ask this young man this question Mm -hmm. um the same way that for the men that go into the priesthood i'm sure that like you said you don't really think about it but the holy spirit just keeps putting that in there Now, before, when you were talking about uh, your time in the air cadets and going to the camp, you mentioned that there was a seminarian there as Mm. the the chaplain. And I really liked the comment that you used to describe him. You said he was just a normal guy and he was relatable. Yeah. And I think from what I've gotten to hear from Dennis about yourself, it's the same kind of feeling in Mm. your presence that just relatable. And you said you were 10 years at Mississauga Transit? Yeah, yeah,
0: close to that, yeah.
2: And as well, armed guard and thinking of, of policing. So, Dennis, I think you're going to have to keep your hand out of the collection basket because
1: father <laughs> father knows how to take you down uh, <laughs> if, if you go down that road. But maybe that's why so relatable, Robert, like you say, the mm-hmm. fact that you had other professions, you had a career options, father, and you really, it was it wasn't really in your mind, and you just... Had been received into the church, and then all of a sudden, within a few years, almost you're entering the seminary. That's a big step. There must have been a lot in those few years as you take us for the next couple of years.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, no, that's that's absolutely true. And it's you know when you look back on it now, you think you know, wow, a lot of t- a lot took place in in a relatively short period of time because it was it was three years after um being received into the church that I was starting formation so you know I mean even the advice that my pastor gave me of uh, go live your life as a Catholic for a while I mean it was it really was a short period of time um Mm -hmm. but yeah a lot of things happened you know a lot of a lot of good things a lot of not so good things but I sort of look at it you know that that it God revealed His plan through through all of it, and certainly placed the the instruments, placed those those, those people uh, in, into my life that that really were the right people, um, you know, to to kind of help me. And the the first, you know, the first person that I, I sort of really looked to was was my mother, um, because it wasn't it was less than a year after I had been received in. Church that my mother um, was diagnosed with cancer, and it was aggressive. And and her, you know, her journey with that, and, and I call it a journey deliberately. With that was was very short, but there were a lot of things that that my mother said and did that had a, had a strong influence on the decisions that I made. Um, I mean. First of all, I think it, it helped shape my faith because, um, you know, I being being this new and, you know, new Catholic, but but, you know, certainly zealous, but also, you know, I thought felt devout. And I think I I came to see, no, certainly you know, miracles are possible and, and God gives them yes and grants them yes, but God also, you know, I look at at my mother in many ways as the miracle itself, you know, as a miracle invites a deeper faith, my mother, and just everything that, that you know, uh, was part, because she certainly, you know, there, there was a, my mother grew closer to God in, in her own experience of going through that, you know, and, and we talked a lot about those things, which quite honestly, we never talked about when I was, was growing up. And, uh, you know, um, funny enough, she, she had a lot of experiences of the same thing I sort of shared with my, my great grandmother, that was her grandmother. But, you know, she, she took my, my mother to church. She, any faith that my mother had that was, you know, her, her connectedness to God came from her grandmother. And, you know, she, she shared that was, you know, it was great to share that, but we also talked a lot about, um, you know, when my great grandmother had passed away, and some of the things that, that that were giving my mother comfort in in her suffering. You know, and and that we, we talked about suffering in a, in a way that, like, you know, we talked about it in in RCIA, and I would sometimes hear homilies on it, but you know, my mother was was living and and you know, living that that suffering, but also growing closer to God and also wanting me to grow closer to God in, in the process. And it was about two weeks before uh, my mother passed away that, that she and I had like a real heart-to-heart conversation. I told her, I said, I don't know where this is going, but, you know, we, we both know that this isn't going, you know, this isn't, uh, you're not being cured here. And I said, I'm, I'm thinking about the priesthood. And I sort of, you know, explained things as to where I was at. And I, I said, what do you think? And she said, well, I certainly know whatever's been going on in your life for the last while has made you like far happier. And, you know, you, you seem more at peace and, you know, she's said all the things that that were the right things for me to hear because these were the things that I would see in other people that, that drew me to, you know, to be a Christian in the first place. She, and, and she said, I think if you do this, you'll do well at it. And she said, the only thing I can tell you is don't live your life with regret. The the interesting thing though, was that what my mother didn't know, she had no way of knowing, never, never mentioned it to her. Was that a lot of my hang up at that point had just been, you know, with even with my job, that uh, I'd started driving the bus when I was young. And so I had a good pension uh, ahead of me. And yeah, I'd get my, my, uh, my, my pension um, statement every year. And, and that statement would also tell me that you're eligible for, for full pension retirement at 52. And my mother was on her deathbed at 52. And so, you know, the, those words to me, especially when I was saying, well, I can think about the priesthood when I'm 52 and I'm retired. You know, really just those things just kind of came together. And as I said, she didn't; she had no idea that I thought that way. Um, and the last thing that she'd asked me to do, which I didn't want to do, I really didn't want to do was, was to lead her funeral service, put her funeral service together. And, and, you know, um, she kind of talked to me about that. And I, you know, I, if it was anybody else in any other situation, I would have said no. And this was also part of the, the, you know, the big hangup that I had. Um, was that I couldn't see myself doing the things that priests do, being up in front of people. You know, I none of that interested me. None of that. I certainly didn't see any gifts to do that. You know, so um, I wanted to say no to it, but but you know, I said yes to it, and then in in that experience realized that there were you know that that God could take me the whole way, and it kind of I'm, I'm not going to say it it. That I overcame all my fears right there, but I think I it was the first time in my life I started to, and to realize that with God's help, you know, that I can overcome fear and mm-hmm. not no not not to be afraid. And so she was she was the biggest uh, the, the biggest help. I think she you know and then and then when she passed away, I took a, b- a bit of a leave of absence from from the transit. And that was a real spiritual time for me because, you know, it was kind of a time that, uh, you know, I, I spent time thinking about life and, and where was I going? What was I doing? I can't say that I because I, I wasn't necessarily decided to go to the seminary, even at that point. You know, there were a lot of other things to think about. And, you know, I was living up in, in Waseg Beach at the time. And to be honest, I, the, the pace of life was was more appealing. I was more thinking of, you know, sort of moving my whole life there. And then, you know, another instrument of God was I I got a call from the vocation director. And it was just out of the blue. And I didn't even know him. But I was on a sheet of paper with a name. And he just called me up. And he he said, uh, you know, I'm the new vocation director of, of the diocese. And um, you know, you were working with, uh, with father Larry, uh, just wondering what you're up to. And then we ended up having a great conversation. And the next thing I, I mean, I went down to, to meet with him in Toronto, you know, again, I, had he not called me, well, you know, who knows, but uh, as I say, God has had a plan for sure. And then I guess I just sort of say the third, the third person was a, a Franciscan priest that I met on a retreat, and, you know, just like I said about the seminarian, I mean, this was a real guy, you know, like we, we got into a great conversation and, you know, he had been a, a brother for like about 45 years before he became a priest because he never saw himself doing the academic portion. And, you know, but after all those years and, and many great things that he'd done, as a brother as a franciscan brother he decided to to study for the priesthood but he was just the most joyful he's just you know everything in you know, about his person just resonated you know said if if i could even be a little bit like this guy you know the priesthood wouldn't be so bad he just he just had this joyful uh, you know charisma about him so you know, I look at those three those, those three uh, people, especially. I mean, certainly there were others, but they were pretty, pretty impactful on, on my decision to become a priest. And, and so, you know, having t- got to, to speak to all of them within those, those three years, I took the step, went to Sarah House. And, uh, you know, um, it, it was a tough adjustment for the first little bit. That, Sarah House at that time was a house of discernment. So you sort of had one foot in, one foot out. And then, uh, you know, from Sarah House, the next year, I went to the seminary, and uh, yeah, I mean, not easy, but it was but very, very joyful and affirming the whole the, the you know the, the, the journey through
2: yeah, I really like the those examples of joy and joyfulness, and that's really what uh, attracts uh, Dennis and I have a, a friend Patrick Sullivan, who also talks about oh, yeah. being that example of joy and, and having that thing, that joy that other people want. And right at the beginning of your story, you spoke about how you weren't really raised in the Christian faith because your parents had seen too many bad examples, too many bad yeah. Christian examples. And we've had a guest on the show earlier, the the Cordial Catholic, uh, another great podcast, where he always spoke about, he grew up as a, a Pentecostal, as an evangelical, and he said the the least Christian people in town, were the kids that went to the Catholic high school. And I always get a little bit bent out of shape because when he says that, that's the high school I went to, right? But that being said, I can raise my hand and say I was probably one of the least Catholic guys in that school as well. But yeah, that that whole notion of, of joyful uh witness that that you had to to draw you into the faith. And then now being that yourself, because like your mom said, that you were exuding that joy once you followed god's call
1: and father just just so you you do enter the seminary and obviously you're ordained in 2012 and i I know you spent a little time as associate as associate pastor but what when you landed in that vocations director position Mm -hmm. did you think to yourself when you were sitting down with that vocations director many years earlier that you'd be in that same position and what were some of the challenges or some of the blessings that came with that because that it's got to be a completely different job than what you're doing now as pastor. I mean, you're obviously yeah. at Saint Bernadette's, That's one place. You know your parishioners there. You're kind of almost like a nomad a little bit. You're here, there, and everywhere type thing. So maybe you can speak to a little bit about that. The vocations director position.
0: Yeah. Um, so yeah, as you as you said, I mean, it was a little. It would, definitely was a surprise to me. Um, I uh, the. So about a year, well, be a little less than a year after I was ordained, um, the, the cardinal and the vocation director at the time, Father Hansu Park, had started this vocation council. So um, there were several priests throughout the diocese who were asked and appointed by the cardinal to be part of this council that we were just asked to, to help Father Hansu out um, and, and give, I think it was about, about 10 hours a week or something to vocation work. And it was kind of, uh, you know, one of the, one of the things about the archdiocese of Toronto is it's so big, it it uh, you know, um, there's so many pre- places to reach out that it's pretty hard for one vocation director to to be able to do it all. I mean, you know, even connecting with the high schools, there's over a hundred high schools in the archdiocese, so that's wow. you know, it's <laughs> a lot. Um, so I did a, you know, I I did uh, enjoy that, but I was at a pretty, pretty big parish. So I didn't, I really couldn't give more than the 10 hours a week. So, you know, but, uh, one day I was, I was sitting down with the, the Cardinal and I, you know, he was, I, it was at one of our, I was at our pre-seminar in October and he's talking about vocations. And, uh, he asked me at the end of the conversation, you know, would I'm, I'm, uh, Uh, getting ready to make a change and uh, would you consider um, being our next vocation director? And so, you know, I mean, like I said, it was a year and a half after I was ordained and um, you know, so everything you learn in the seminary and, and uh, you know, certainly all your, even in your last years, again, ready for ordination is that obedience sort of lends itself to you saying yes, but there was like, still a big question mark. And I, and I remember the thing I said to the Cardinal was, you know, this may be a half warm thought as it would be at the end of a conversation, but why, why me? Why you, there's so many people I can think of right off the top of my head. And I think I probably even gave them a name or two that would be more Mm -hmm. qualified to do this job. We, We had a good conversation and I realized something pretty important that, you know, I, I think a lot of times, especially with roles like like vocation director, bishops take a, you know, they, they do a lot of consulting before they, and, and I'm sure a lot of prayer before they make these decisions, because he seemed to ha- know an awful lot more than I would have given him credit for. And, you know, sort of offered me uh, a sense of why he thought I was the right person. It was, it was humbling and, uh, you know, Um, you know, I had certainly then hoped, I mean, I said yes, but I also then had a good understanding, I think of, of why my Bishop was asking me to do this. Um, you know, and it was, it it included those things like life experience and, and, you know, some of, maybe some of my, as it would, my personal qualities, the same as like, you know, for, for father Matt, when, when he was asked to to take the, the role on after me, that same, you know, that it's it's everything. And so, I mean, it was, uh, how would I say this? I, vocation work was, it, it was a great honor and a great blessing. I mean, to have an opportunity to meet so many people who were discerning. And I think, you know, the, the, the role was definitely to um, work with men who would go to St. Augustine Seminary would be uh, you know, um, seminarians for the archdiocese. And that definitely was a great honor, but in a broader sense to, to meet so many people who were discerning men and women throughout the archdiocese and to be able to help them figure out what did God want them to do with their lives, you know, to be able to to spend time with them and have conversation with them and to be able to relate with them, relate to them and relate with them to, you know, that was a great, great blessing. Um, I think on the other side of things, there's a lot of challenges that young people face today, especially Um, not saying that they weren't there in the past, but, you know, there's so much noise that Mm -hmm. gets in the way Mm -hmm. of God and gets in the way of us hearing God. You know, like one of the things I used to say to almost everybody is that we need more silence. I mean, I'm sure you've heard this many times before, but we need more silence, you know, and not silence where we've got music in the background, like actual silence, because we, we've got to condition ourselves to letting go of all the things that stimulate us. And, and I think today, so much more, you know, and, and it's just continuing to grow. And so the, the challenge there is that I, I really do believe that there were a lot of, of men and women that I met in my, in my six years in vocation work. Who had an authentic calling but just couldn't get there because um of whatever noise was going on in in their lives it could be you know distractions maybe more than noise too distractions and things i'm just gonna hold my phone
2: up here for the (laughs) number one distraction right, right there yeah, we're, we're blessed. We have an icon of St. John Vianney in our parish, and so after Mass every Sunday, my wife and I will stop there to pray. And my prayer is not that more men are called to the vocation of the priesthood, because God is still calling them, but mm-hmm. that more men will listen yeah. to the call and, and, and heed the call. I mean, the call. Yeah. And I'm going to put a little plug in here as well, Father. You're talking yeah. about silence. Last Saturday I had the the blessing to uh facilitate a retreat on uh you know, facilitating our prayer life through silence. So if ever for the parish you're looking for a retreat on silence, talk to Dennis, he has my number. I'll,
1: I'll be there okay. in five minutes. Mm-hmm. So all right. <laughs> well more like more like twenty five. You are up in Port Perry, Robert, but yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's actually I think it's forty five door to door, but that's <laughs> No. That that's all good, and and I'm loving the story too, and and just not just your call to the priesthood, but the the call to the vocations, vocations office.
1: director, yes. And,
2: and I've said a number of times here on the podcast, you know, God doesn't call the qualified; He qualifies the called, and,
0: yeah. and
2: that seems to be your story.
1: But just maybe you could speak to that, Father. You came in, in at Saint Bernadette's two years ago at the height of the covid pandemic i mean yeah. that couldn't have been easy you're leaving the vocations position what were some of the challenges you faced that was a difficult time i remember you know you're you're broadcasting to parking lots you're broadcasting to church halls You're you've got your mic up there you've got the audio it was a different it's a completely different thing than maybe what you would have started at saint St. patrick's and yeah. markham yeah
0: yeah well you know i guess i guess what i you know, I, I see it as a pretty positive thing. I mean, you know, I was, I was leaving one ministry and, and, you know, after having spent six years in, in the vocations office, I definitely um, will say that I felt ready to go back to a parish. And I mean, you know, if, like the, when, when we fart, when we had the first, um, the, the beginnings, like a week or, or two before the first lockdowns, was our last come and see weekend, but we were already concerned about things and we had to really reshape that come and see weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, because we, you know, everybody was, we, we, none of us had any idea what was, what was happening. So, you know, the socials were, were, uh, taken away and things like that. And it was just a, you know, so for a, an outgoing, um, location director or, or like I'm sure for pastors who um, like you know like like the pastor here as well, had been here many years and saw things now. We're closing down, we're closing down, you can sort of see that that draining your energy. And it was it was a you know, I was blessed as well. Um, and, and probably not a lot of people know this, but I had six months of time that I spent with my predecessor with Father Han Su. So I was the assistant vocation director. And I spent time and, and we talked about this. It was the same thing with father Matt. He w- was serving at the, at St. Michael's cathedral mm-hmm. where I was living. So, um, you know, we had a lot of time together to be able to talk about vocation ministry, talk about the things, you know, for, for me to reflect and offer what I could and for him to get ready to take on his new role. But I could certainly see in, in father Matt, this energy which, you know, I remember having six years before, you know, and, and it's, it's not a hard and fast thing. It, it's to each individual priest, but, uh, you know, most of our vocation directors in Toronto have been around five years. So it's, you know, usually the, the, the bishops sort of see time to, time to refresh here. And, you know, so coming into St. Bernadette's, I, you know, I must admit I was pretty refreshed and ready to go. Ready for the challenge. Yeah. Uh, Ready for the challenge. Yeah. It was, it was challenging. Um, But I, I sort of see, well, especially when it comes to this, the glass half full, like I, you know, I had um, I had the energy and the readiness and, you know, I, I knew father Raymond who was the the, uh, associate pastor here before father Kevin. I knew, you know, from when he was a seminarian, so I knew him well, but we, You know with the lockdowns and everything we spent a lot of time sort of getting to know each other and you know preparing to work even though we weren't necessarily always doing a a whole lot we were preparing a lot um and you had to think outside the box which Mm -hmm. i thought i don't think is ever a bad thing um you know and and find new ideas and and uh you know with a lot of our ministries here in the parish to even um you know to just speak to the ministry coordinators and say you know, let's, let's try our best to get things up and running. You know, let's use Zoom. Let's do these things, you know, sure. Some resistance because, you know, when, when we're used to being in person and now we're just going to be a a recording or we're we're doing this, it's not, you know, it's not the same. We know that, but, but I, you know, I give a lot of credit to our ministry coordinators because a lot of them, they learned this stuff. They learned it better than me. And, and, uh, you know, we, we just, we did what we had to do. The schools were great. You know, we, uh, father Raymond and, and myself, we visited, uh, classes virtually, um, you know, and, uh, I think we gave the teacher a break sometimes, but right, right. You, always you pivoted, welcome. Always you welcome. Pi- you pivoted, Robert.
1: We weren't going to use that <laughs> word again, but you, you pivoted word. very well, Father, and that was the key word for a couple yeah. of years. And now things seem to be almost back to normal, which is great.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, and and you know what, I I sort of look now and and uh, look at that, and I say, you know, we did we did okay because uh, you know as we're coming back, sure you see the people coming back, but it's also nice to see that a lot of the the ministries that we sort of thought okay, they're, they're shut down and that's it, that they've, they've stayed like our Bible study and our theology, the body groups here and, you know, are are still going strong and looking forward to getting back in person. So, um, you know, all in all, not, not easy, but definitely, um, you know, lots of blessing in all of it. Yeah, and yeah, help,
1: and you, having an associate really helps too. I guess, Father, not not everybody's blessed with the the associate. Like Father Keith up in your parish, he's on his own, he, much smaller, a, of a, course, Robert. But you know, yeah, when you have well, that second priest,
2: exactly, yeah. exactly. And Father was mentioning, you know, kind of the the whole notion of that experience being kind of glass half empty uh, i have to say here that i'm i'm glass almost empty yeah. <laughs> and i'm sure dennis is the same and poor father is probably glass almost full because he's been doing all of the talking and My not had really had a chance to to, 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 to lubricate it. his voice
1: yeah and Thanks. just before we go father yeah. i guess the one last thing we we both wanted to kind of get in maybe is there any advice for our listeners maybe who'd be struggling with their faith or certainly experience as we all do some dryness and prayer at times. And maybe people who have fallen away that maybe somehow we can get them back. Cause I've noticed just at our parish though, father, on Sundays, the numbers are starting to fill up again. So people are starting to come back, but maybe there's some a few that have fallen away over the course of maybe COVID and have not come back into the fold. So,
0: mm-hmm. you know, I think, the, the best advice I can I, I could give anyone, and I, I think it's advice that I try to take myself as, as much as we possibly can. We've got to keep our faith simple, um, you know, and and constantly draw from the roots of just uh, you know uh, giving giving witness through the things that we do. You know, we talked about it a few times here that you know I look at at what drew me, and it was the the just absolute goodness of people around me. And I think that, you know, um, for, for those who who are maybe struggling with their faith to, you know, to, to, to look for that goodness. And, and, you know, I mean, again, to draw as well from, from, from the roots of our faith. And and that is what, what Jesus shares with us, you know, that, that really everything, everything that we're about comes from him. So, you know, we can't go too far off if we, if we stay close to Jesus and really, you know, ask him for that relationship, that deep, close personal relationship, um, you know, and uh, yeah. And I guess just, you know, and I think even with with dryness as well, like I, I certainly know that's a, a bigger topic and not, there, there's lots of things that can lead to, to dryness in our faith, but, um, you know, it's never, never sort of um, – how would I say it's? It's always served me well. I guess I would say to to just, you know, bring new things into into my prayer life and sort of be always on the lookout for trying new things. You know that sometimes we, you know, we we go with things that we that have worked for us for a long time, and and we, sometimes we just need that newness. You know, be it a, a different way to pray. You know, but we've just we've got so much. We've got such a, a wealth and treasure of. Of, of beautiful ways to pray that we, you know, um, discover, discover new things. And I guess I would, you know, to that, I would say talk to a priest or somebody in, in the parish and, and ask for help. You know, I never, I always tried my best to ask for help and look for mentors to help me in my faith. So I think that's, that's good for, for all of us.
2: You no, know, and thanks be to God that thank there's you, there's gentlemen like you that have answered the call to, to be there. That when those of us like myself or, or Dennis do come looking for help, that you're you're there and uh, able to discern and to guide the the flock that has been entrusted to your care.
0: Amen, Robert. Amen. Yeah. Th- thank you both for your invitation. I I've appreciated being with you. Father, oh, no. thank
1: you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. And I'm sure Robert will have this podcast up and running in no time. And, as um, soon as
2: I can. As soon as human as is humanly possible.
1: Yes, absolutely. So again,
2: thank you very much, Father. Know that you will remain in our You're prayers. Okay. Please keep us in, in your prayers.
0: Absolutely, I will. Thanks, Father. Appreciate okay. it. Okay. All right. Have a good day. Bye now. Bye.
2: Dennis, buddy, I think we're going to leave you in charge of uh, procuring oh. the guests a li- uh, more often. Uh, another well great, well another
1: great guest, Robert. This time I can take partial credit for it, of course, because he is my pastor at a local parish here in Ajax. But uh, yeah, just another guest. But Robert, all our guests have been like that. Their faith stories have been so amazing. And and he was certainly humble, Father Chris, and down to earth. And a story that I think resonated could resonate with many of our listeners.
2: Yeah, no, and like we talked about with Father Chris, just having that joy that is uh, an attraction to others and, and, and being that witness, exude. right? And, and, all
1: for all of him, they weren't preaching at him; they were just being that witness in his lives. And I guess, I guess that's all we can do in our own lives.
2: And that word you just used, as as far as humble, because there is a, a great humbleness about Father Chris as well. He's not mm-hmm. a a, a rah rah, uh, in your face kind of guy. No, very very quiet joy a very right, quiet right. joy
1: yeah uh, but i guess that's- humility and his uh, homilies are about eight to 12 minutes i'm not just saying that now that he's not here but certainly and they're all poignant for sure so
2: i guess that's why he he lives up to his name as yeah. father lemieux Fa- father the best oh is lemieux,
1: that yeah the-, oh, the best okay the best. there you go and i meant to
2: say it during the podcast and i completely as forgot opposed to the
1: white exactly
2: I completely forgot, but I meant to mention to Father Chris because we recorded this on the feast of Saint
1: Christopher. And I thought I, it was the feast. I thought it was Saint. A, when I went to, ma- it was my father's anniversary of his death today, so there was a memori- mass. Father Ke- Father Chris offered the mass this morning, and it was. But he said Saint James. Father J- uh, Saint James is the the first one,
2: and then if you go the list of saints, because there's that. always more than it's always the feast day of mm-hmm. more than one saint. So today was also uh, Saint Christopher. And And I I meant to bring that up and it was in my mind. And then as Father Chris got going, I should have brought it up
1: because yours truly's middle name, of course, is Christopher. Christopher, There you go.
2: The Christ bearer. So
1: the Christ bearer,
2: the Christ bearer. Hmm. So like I said, as we were talking with Father Chris, you know, the time has really flown by. And my hourglass here, Dennis, is pretty much empty.
1: And the beer, the verdict on the beer.
2: Uh the drip India pale ale I have yeah. to say has drip. It was yeah. excellent. It's was it uh, really a little bit sour, juicy, uh everything that you would think a, a hazy India pale ale, a hazy IPA is
1: was, that was sourness. Really good. I don't know. Yeah, that sourness might have I'm telling you, the can was great because it looked like uh, a paint can. I don't know if you explained that yeah, to our viewers, yeah. but it was dripping all over. The paint was dripping all over the top of the can. It was very cool. And they'll be it's able to see tried. a picture of that on
2: the on the Facebook page. Yeah, what did you think of Bo's Lugtrad? Oh. I, I enjoy that beer.
1: Fantastic. I, I can't believe if I'm ever 15 minutes between Montreal and Ottawa, which I don't know where that is exactly. Robert, help me out with my Ontario geography, but I, I would Castle. pay for that. I, I can get that. If I can get that at the LCBO, I'm, I'm purchasing that for sure. That was really enjoyable. Oh, for sure. You can get
2: that at the LCBO. Right. You can get that on tap at a lot of local establishments as well.
1: What? In here in the greater in Toronto area? area? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. No, the Beau's okay. Luck Tread is a very popular beer.
1: Well, always a pleasure, of course, Robert. Uh, both the pint and the conversation, even though you were taking, your conversation was, taking, was uh, being held in the church basement somewhere in port perry because of the power outage of your home yeah,
2: hopefully by the time i get home the power is back on or else it'll be a really uh a, a really cold uh, dinner for for the dinner table yeah, today. thank god it didn't happen
1: last week when the heat wave but
2: oh exactly thanks be to god so but the, the pints were really good today absolutely it's always a pleasure to talk about our catholic faith as well very true very true and just before we wrap up dennis perhaps there's one small favor we could ask
1: of our listeners If you could take a quick moment and a couple of clicks to follow the Pints and Pews podcast on your favorite platform and give us a review.
2: And while you're at it, give us a like on Facebook and drop us a line there or at pintsandpews at gmail.com. We always enjoy hearing from our listeners.
1: We'll chat again soon, my friend.
2: God willing. And until then... Why don't you remind the listeners
1: of the wise words of GK Chesterton, which you can actually see here on my t-shirt today. Yeah, so I was going to compliment you on your lovely t-shirt. In Catholicism, the pint, the pipe, and the cross can all fit together. God bless.